Hi, this is Randy Backman with another Vinyl Tap Podcast. Stories about some of the greatest rock and roll songs ever. Put on your seatbelts and get ready for a ride in the rock and roll time machine. We're going to celebrate music from yesterday, specifically 1968. Celebrate it with some stories and memories, and we are rocking and rolling. Many, many things happened in 1968. We'll be touching on them all, some of the musical and some of them that shook the world. We're going to start rolling now with something that started in 67 but kept going for a couple of years, and we were all sad. When it ended, the band was called Cream. They were Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce, and Ginger Baker. Here's the song from 1968, written by Jack Bruce and Pete Brown, who was this incredible guy who nobody ever met, who just sent in his lyrics to them, and they would put the lyrics to some bluesy progressions and write these great songs. This is from the Wheels of Fire album, Cream, 1968, White Room. That was Cream with White Room, and while they were recording and doing that on the charts, in January of that year, Jimi Hendrix got jailed in Stockholm by the police after trashing a hotel room after fighting with bassist Noel Redding, because Noel Redding played too much. He was a guitar player and had a heck of a time just playing simple bass. They had a big fight. Also in January of 68, Johnny Cash recorded the amazing album Stuck in Folsom Prison at Folsom State Prison in California and changed everybody's opinion of the guys who were in jail. January the 20th, The Who and the Small Faces started a tour of Australia and New Zealand and were rocking the world, and The Doors were offered $500,000, with big money, half a million dollars in February, from Universal Studios to star in a feature film starring themselves. They took the money and never made the film. Ta-da! 68 was a rockin' year with these bands just exploding out of England and, of course, the kickback and the fight back from Canada and the USA, so we're going to explore all that. The Stones are still going strong, and amazingly enough, they are still growing strong some 50 years later. Here is written by Jagger and Richards, a great song written about the guy who came to fix the heating in their house, making a noise, and one of them said to the other, what's that noise? And he said, it's Jumping Jack Flash. Here's the Rolling Stones, 1968. This is a standalone single, won three Grammy Awards. Jumpin' Jack Flash, The Stones. with Jumping Jack Flash. You're listening to Randy's Vinyl Tap on your favorite rock station. Wherever you are, come back in six days and 22 hours and we will be here rocking and rolling in the time machine. We're doing 1968. We started a few shows ago, a few weeks ago, with the beginning and origin of classic rock and many people have been emailing me over this situation. They say it, and I agree, that right now country music all sounds the same. 
it's the same five or six guys in the studio playing for every country artist. So the band tracks sound the same. Even the singers sound the same. The songs are all the same. They're written by the same five or six guys. And there's such a sameness to it that classic rock is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger because it encompasses all the stuff from the late 40s, early 50s, all the R&B, all the gospel, all the rhythm and blues, the rockabilly, everything. Is, and it's called classic rock. And it starts with Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Elvis and then guys like me copied who are teenagers when that comes out. And that becomes classic rock because we mix it all together. And out comes this thing that goes on and on and on. And while the big British invasion was going on, with the Beatles and everybody wanting to be like the Beatles out of Liverpool, Jerry and the Pacemakers, the Mersey Beats, on and on and on. Out comes this band that is totally different. They are led by a keyboard player. His name is Rod Argent. He is an amazing keyboard player. They have an amazing lead singer whose name is Colin Blundstone. They are called the Zombies. It's 1968. They recorded in the same studio Abbey Road as the Beatles and everything was kind of the same. It was a great room with a great vibe, but they came in with great songs. And Rod Argent wrote this song called Time of the Season. He was very much influenced by Burt Bacharach because he had done a tour uh, earlier with Dionne Warwick and listened to all of her songs, which were all written by Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach also influenced me when I met him in the mid-60s when I went there to record at Scepter Studios and he was writing and producing Dionne Warwick. That's why These Eyes has all these cool chords in it. She's come undone. And that's why Rod Argent has all these cool chords in this song, The Zombies, 1968, Time of the Season. It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy And let me try with pleasured hands Take you in the sun to promised lands To show you everyone is the Love that song. In the middle of the Beatles and everything else, out came these guys. That was the zombies going up to Canada and pulling out Mr. David Clayton Thomas, who then went to New York City after his band, The Bossman. And he joined and was part of the beginning of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. There was a big movement then, big band rock and roll with the group CTA, Chicago Transit Authority, that morphed into being just called Chicago, and this band out of New York City called Blood, Sweat, and Tears, BS&T, and the lead singer was none other than David Clayton Thomas. Incredible song that he wrote way back in Canada and then brought to this band. The album won Grammy of the Year that year, 1968. This arrangement of the song was done by the band saxophonist Fred Lipsius and was nominated Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Here is BS&T with David Clayton Thomas. I should say BS&T with DCT. And it's Canadian content. We are rocking the world. The song is called Spinning Wheel. We might know it as What Goes Up Must Come Down. Imagine hearing that on rock radio. Da, 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 it sounds kind of like a calliope. They had an incredible arrangement in Blood, Sweat, and Tears. They had great songs, but the intros and the middles and the outros were really something of a really big band jazz cool tributes. We're talking about 1968. 
the Bee Gees, they, they made their American debut on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Really amazing. What else happened that year was some tragedy. Martin Luther King was assassinated, Martin Luther King Jr., and Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Two terrible tragedies in that year. The rest of the year was plagued with protests in San Francisco, New York, Washington, D.C., protesting the insane Vietnam War and why we were still sending young men there to fight in the jungle and never come home for no real reason. Jimi Hendrix was given an honorary high school diploma, which he dropped out of at Garfield High School, and they gave him also the key to the city. So here to celebrate that is Mr. Jimi Hendrix with All Along the Watchtower, written by Bob Dylan, but made into a classic by Jimi. Some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion All along the watchtower, Jimi Hendrix from his album Electric Ladyland, produced by Chaz Chandler who was the bass player in The Animals engineered by the great Eddie Kramer and the 12-string guitar in that, the Fender 12-string is played by none other than Dave Mason from Traffic who happened to be in the studio at the time walked in and figured, gee, this song needs an acoustic guitar and played it, and it kind of made the whole song, the whole track. Going back to Canada now, written by John Kay, Canadian, and the bassist Rushton Morov, another Canadian hard rock anthem from the band Steppenwolf, from the album called The Second. John Kay was born Joachim Fritz Claudelat from Germany and moved after World War II, where he changed his name to John Kay. Here's a great song, 1968 Magic Carpet Ride. Magic Carpride, big hit from 1968. Also in 68, there was a lot going on with the peace and love protests going on, protesting the war. The Beatles got struck, and so did the Beach Boys by Maharishi. They all went to India to his ashram. But the Beatles went there, all, all the Beatles, Mike Love, Mia Farrow, Donovan, they all went to India to visit with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi at Rishikesh. Another milestone date, February the 18th, Sid Barrett, the founder of Pink Floyd, who wrote See Emily Play, their first big hit single, checks himself into a psychiatric hospital, has to leave the band, and David Gilmour joins Pink Floyd, replacing him. A life-changing thing. Sid Barrett into a psychiatric hospital, Dave Gilmour into Pink Floyd. McGraw-Hill outbids other publishers and pays $150,000 for the rights to Hunter Davies' biography of the Beatles. Florence Ballard gets released from her contract with the Motown. Doo-wop singer Frankie Lyman, a Frankie Lyman, a teenager who had teenager in love, is found dead at his grandmother's house in Harlem, New York, from a heroin overdose. The Grammys are held in Chicago. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band wins the Album of the Year. The Fifth Dimension's Up, Up, and Away wins both Record of the Year and Song of the Year. And Bobby Gentry, remember her, the ballad of 
Billy Joe wins Single of the Year. Getting back to some music, here is CCR, Queen's Clearwater Revival, who were around at that time, with her big hit called Susie Q, written by Dale Hawkins. This is a recycled song from maybe 10 years earlier, 1958-59, from Dale Hawkins, John Fogarty and Queen's Clearwater doing their version of it, Susie Q. Creedence Clearwater Revival, CCR, with uh, John Fogarty singing and playing lead guitar. Back to Canada, CanCon 1968, written by Bob Dylan, with the thing that when you knew Bob Dylan, you were his band. It was never released by Dylan on an album. So the band got this song. You know the band was Levon Helm, Rick Danko, Richard Manuel, and Robbie Robertson. From 1968, I Shall Be Released. The band with I Shall Be Released, a Bob Dylan song. We're celebrating 1968, and an amazing thing happened in 1968. Air travel changed. Boeing released a thing called a 747. They made 1,500 of these gigantic airplanes. They were called jumbo jets. They had a two-section plane that would hold 524 people, and then they had a three-section where they charged more money for that only held 416 people. But the three section, when you were in business class, there was a little circular stairway that went up to a little top room that held maybe 50 or 60 or 65 seats and people, and they had entertainment up there. And on one of these flights, I was flying from uh, New York to LA. So you pay the extra money and you go upstairs this little upper lounge and if you can believe it, there was a piano up there, a grand piano, and Frank Sinatra Jr. was the entertainment, who came out and sang a lot of his dad's songs, and I thought that was amazing. I also saw the comedian Henny Youngman up there doing a comedy routine with his violin. So that really changed travel. People didn't like that section a lot. I stayed up there, but all the heat in the airplane rose to there, and no matter how cold the rest of the airplane was, they were freezing, you were boiling up there and sweating your head off because all the heat rose up there. So that was the first and last time I ever flew in the top of a 747. But that really changed air travel. Russia went to the moon and back. It was amazing, and another great thing happened. Because of the success of the Fillmore West in San Francisco, Bill Graham got an old movie theater in New York City and opened the Fillmore East, which I played many times. That was in March the 8th. From 1968, here's The Doors, written by Jim Morrison, John Densmore, Ray Manzarek, and Robbie Krieger. Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Love you, let me jump in your game 
Love the doors with hello, I love you, won't you tell me your name. A lot of things happened in 1968. Amazingly enough, sadly enough, Richard Nixon was elected the president. The Apollo 8 made it to the moon. Mary Hopkins appeared on television show Opportunity Knocks. She caught the attention of Twiggy who told Paul McCartney about her and Paul McCartney signed her to Apple Records and recorded her great song, Those Were the Days My Friend. And this was a sad moment. May the 5th, Buffalo Springfield performed together for the last time in Long Beach, California. The end of Neil Young's career there with Buffalo Springfield, but the beginning of the Neil Young solo era and then him joining Crosby, Stills and Nash later. At a press conference, John Lennon and Paul McCartney introduced the New Beatles concept, Apple Core, an entertainment company that included a recording studio, a record label, clothes, artwork, everything, and signing new artists. They began recording the White Album called The Beatles. And here they are with a song written by Lennon and McCartney from that album, 1968, the single version of Revolution. the Beatles with a great comment on what was going on in the world at 1968. You say you want a revolution. We're going to kick off with a song by Buffalo Springfield. They performed for the last time in 1968 in Long Beach, California. Here's Buffalo Springfield written and sung by Neil Young, I Am a Child. child I last a while You can't conceive of the pleasure in my smile You hold my hand Rough up my hair It's lots of fun Buffalo Springfield, I am a child Many great things happened in 1968 from the remains of the Yardbirds and the Faces came the Jeff Beck Group. The album was called Truth. I remember getting this album. It was a life-changing album. A lot of it was live in the studio. You could tell by the way it was played and the way it overlapped and wasn't really planned. An incredible, groundbreaking album that rivaled basically what Led Zeppelin was doing. Uh, Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck were doing the same thing. This introduced the talents, this album Truth, of Rod Stewart singing vocals and Ronnie Wood, who later joined the Stones, Ronnie Wood's incredible bass player, singer, and guitar player, and an artist. I got some of his paintings in my house. So that Jeff Beck album, Truth, was released. Yes performed for the first time at a summer camp. Can you imagine that? Simon and Garfunkel gave a live concert at the Hollywood Bowl in California. Led Zeppelin performed for the first time as the new Yardbirds, and I was there when they did it. It was in Cleveland. I met Jimmy Page at that time, and he told me he was uh, just honoring the Yardbirds gigs in America to get some money to go home and start a new band with his buddies, and that became Led Zeppelin. It was a great year of starting stuff out. Jim Capaldi met with Steve Winwood and Chris Wood, who had left their other bands. Uh, Steve Winwood had left Spencer Davis' band. He got together with Capaldi and Wood. They were called Traffic. And here's a song from 1968 called 
Dear Mr. Fantasy. traffic with Mr. Fantasy listening to Randy's Vinyl Tap and America Fights Back with the great Beach Boys written by Brian Wilson, Mike Love, 1968. Reached number one of the singles chart. I love this song. It's one of the great Beach Boys hidden classics. It's called Do It Again. It's that song has got a certain group that was the Beach Boys would do it again of course the UK fights back with the great lead singer Ray Davies and oh the alternate of pop music with distortion that Ray Davies brought in with his brother Dave Davies on guitar uh, here's a song called Days uh, was number 12 in the British charts the bass played by Pete Quaife who was a Canadian guy so here's the kinks with Days 1968 <laughs> you for the days Those endless days Those sacred days you gave me I'm thinking of the days I won't forget a single day Believe me I bless the light that was the Kinks with Days. You're listening to Randy's Vinyl Tap. And for a full list of songs played on this podcast, visit randybackman.com and click the link. We're taking a ride through 1968. In September, The Who began recording Tommy, the rock opera that took them many, many months to do. It's a story of about a deaf, dumb and blind boy who was a pinball wizard and had that big hit pinball wizard. And that went on to become a movie and a Broadway play that ran forever and made a stack, a stack of money, a truckload of money for Pete Townsend, who wrote all the music, and for The Who. Cream was rocking in 1968. We're going to give you a double smash in the face of Cream. Crossroads, written by Robert Johnson, one of the classic blues songs from the album Wheels of Fire, and Back to Back with Born Under a Bad Sign, written by Booker T. Jones from Booker T. and the MGs. Here's a double of cream, crossroads, and born under a bad sign.
That was a double shot of cream on our classic rock 68 show. That was the power trio. That was one of the best. Very contained and very bluesy. Now we're going to go to a guy that uh, I've been a fan of his for many years. When BTO hit number one in, I don't know, 73, 74, we got to headline our own world tour. And in the USA, Bruce Allen, who was our manager at the time, said to me, who do you want to open for BTO on this American tour? And I said, Bob Seger. And he said, who? I said, well, he had this great song called Two Plus Two Is On My Mind and one called Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. And we went and found him playing at a bar in Michigan. Took him over two years on the road. And he played over 250 dates opening for BTO. And it got Bob Seger out of the funk he was in with different labels, Capitol and Warner Brothers, where he wasn't selling any albums. Suddenly his albums start to sell and sell and sell. He got offered a new record deal. He asked me to produce him. I couldn't because I was doing BTO and Trooper at the time. So I passed him on to my ex-producer, Jack Richardson, who had produced the Guess Who. And Jack Richardson then produced Bob Seger and also brought in Bob Ezrin to help him with that because he was also very busy. So here from 1969 is a great song that's very much influenced me, I think, without direct copying, taking care of business. Here's Bob Seger with Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. Bob Seeger with Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. A worldwide event happened that uh, shook the world. It involved the Beatles and November the 8th, John and Cynthia Lennon divorced. Three days later, after the divorce, John Lennon co-stars with Yoko Ono in a double album thing called Unfinished Music Number One, Two Virgins, which had pictures of them naked uh, in Rolling Stone and on the album cover, the album ended up being a gigantic F-L-O-P, a flop. I think the world was happy with that. They didn't like John leaving Cynthia, didn't like what was going on, the Beatles were breaking up and all that stuff. And the Beatles went on to record their White Album at the time. So here's the Beatles with a George Harrison track from the White Album, 1969, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Well, you probably know the weeping guitar on that is Mr. Eric Clapton, who was George's really good friend. They were friends for many, many decades. That was the Beatles with While My Guitar Gently Weeps. I heard the story. They phoned Eric, and he was driving around in his car in, in uh, London, said, come on in and play guitar. He didn't even have a guitar with him at the time. He went and George handed him a Les Paul that he had just got. So Eric played that on the Les Paul on the first take. That was great. The Beatles, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. When the Beatles landed in New York, they were interviewed by everybody. Remember John Lennon when they said to him, who's your favorite singer? He said, Harry Nilsson. Well, who's your favorite band? Harry Nilsson. This was written by Fred Neal. It was a song in the big movie Midnight Cowboy starring John Voight. Here's Harry Edward Nilsson III. It's 
sometimes credited just as Nielsen, a great songwriter, won two Grammy Awards. Here's a song from 1968 from Midnight Cowboy, Everybody's Talking. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words they're saying. Only the echoes of my mind. People stopping still. I can't see. That was Harry, That was Nielsen with Everybody's Talking. And an amazing thing happened to me and the Guess Who in 1968. We had gone to London in 67, came back broke, $40,000 in the hole. And an amazing thing happened. 1968, we got a television show offered just by CBC. It was called Let's Go. It was also called Music Hop in the following year. And we got to go on every Thursday night and play the hits songs on the hit parade. And after a while, it got very, very boring because the, the songs then lasted a long time. They'd last three and four and five and six months, whereas now a song's lucky to last two weeks. There's a quicker turnover now. So our producer, Larry Brown, came to us and said, you and Burton write some songs, and if they're good enough, we'll fit them in between the Beatles and the Beach Boys and the Stones and the Supremes and everything else. So Burton and I started writing songs, and we wrote this song called These Eyes. It came out in the late 68 in Canada. And then it bled over into 1969 and became a million-selling song for us. We got our gold record from Dick Clark on American Bandstand. And so this song started in 68, went into 69, and started a string of hits written by Backman and Cummings that lasted right up to American Woman, double A-sides for a year and a half. That was staggering. Here is These Eyes. Burton Cummings is probably 19 years of age when he sang this, These Eyes. celebrating 1968. Earlier we had mentioned the formation of the Jeff Beck group around Jeff Beck, who had quit the Yardbirds, who was one of the top five guitar players in the world, and it was the top three that came out of this little triangle in England that were basically, they grew up 10 or 12 miles apart in this triangle. Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, and Eric Clapton. Written by Willie Dixon, the great blues player in, in chess studios in Chicago. From the album of Truth, Rod Stewart is on vocals, Ron Wood on the bass. Jeff Beck, 1968, I Ain't Superstitious. That was the amazing Jeff Beck on guitar with Ain't Superstitious. I share a couple of things with Jeff Beck, and it is our affinity for Gene Vincent's music from the 60s and the amazing Mr. Les Paul. We've reached the end of the show, and here's the Rolling Stones, a song written by Jagger and Richard called Street Fighting Man. It was top 50 song in Billboard, number 30 in Canada, from the album called Beggar's Banquet. And Keith Richards' acoustic guitar in this are recorded on a cassette recorder. He used to get these little things, 
the size of a lunchbox from Radio Shack. Boy, I miss Radio Shack. There's such great stuff there. And you put in a cassette and you record it. They recorded Keith Richards' acoustic guitar on this and then just pushed play on it. It has a little speaker and then they mic'd that and the rest of the band played to it. And that's why the guitar on this sounds so warbly and unusual. But the Stones wanted weird sounding things. They did many ways to distort the sound of a guitar or a vocal or a bass or whatever. Here's the Stones 68 Street Fighting Man. the Rolling Stones with Street Fighting Man. You've been listening to Randy's Vinyl Tap, recorded and produced in Maple Ridge by Todd Elvidge. I'm Randy Backman, and I'm in Sydney, B.C. We're doing this via Zoom. Uh, this started because of COVID, and the research is my son, Tal. Thank you for being aboard the show. We'll be back. Keep the rock rolling. Think of you something green. And come on back to Randy's Vinyl Tap, where rock and roll lives. <laughs>